0: Guys, how you doing? This is the third part of the extended discussion I had with Daniel on film villains. Our film villain episode that uh, was so long that it decided to split into three parts. Uh, I was going to tack on a discussion with Paul about film villains as well onto this one and make it a full-length episode, but unfortunately I could not schedule around that at the moment. Uh, might come back sometime later and do a fourth and final part with Paul. But until now, uh, I needed something to stick in this week. Uh been very, very busy, so it's been hard to get regular episodes up and edited and done. So, uh, yeah, this kind of a lazy throwaway episode, I guess, in a way. Uh, I apologize for that, but uh, not every week can be fantastic content, uh, if we've even done anything remotely that good. But... Yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna stop rambling now, and I go, hope you guys enjoyed this uh, little series. And uh, we'll see you guys again very soon, hopefully. Bye bye.
1: How many more do you have?
0: I've got like honestly, I have ten more.
1: <laughs> okay, let's just go through them quickly then. How does that? Okay, stand? yeah,
0: that's, um, that's just kind of
1: just kind of wind them up. I don't. Yeah, you know, we'll see if there's something, somebody, somebody that we both want to talk about.
0: But okay, well, let's just uh, wrap let up. You... Not
1: that I'm trying to uh, force you to end your podcast,
0: but no, no, no on for a while. That's fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you go through your list first, then.
1: Sure. Um, the only other two that I was going to... Uh, I've scratched off quite a few of them, but I'll, I'll just read them all here. There were two that I definitely wanted to include. Um, Jason Lee from The Incredibles.
0: Um, okay. Yeah. The,
1: the Syndrome, just because uh, I think that is kind of a great little family movie performance. Uh, Catherine Keener's character from Being John Malkovich, who uh, starts off as this kind of... Uh, awful, selfish bitch to, uh, you know, not a word I use lightly in describing a female Mm -hmm. character, but um, and then uh, through love becomes less of a, I mean, becomes a good person. So, you know, kind of at the beginning of the film, she's definitely a villain, but then arguably John Cusack becomes the villain by the end. Um, Another great film that I think people don't talk about enough these days. I put uh, some of the smaller films. Heath Ledger from The Dark Knight, a little Mm -hmm. movie you might not have, um, nobody's heard of. Yeah. But, uh, you know, (laughs) That's one of those obvious choices that I was kind of like, I don't need to mention that. A really small film, uh, slightly bigger than The Dark Knight. There's a a movie called Panic from 2000 which has William H. Macy in it. And uh, William H. Macy plays a uh, contract killer who is seeing um, John Ritter as his therapist but his dad, Donald Sutherland is a really delicious bad guy
0: in that film. Um, Oh shit, I gotta watch
1: that. Because he's just just a sociopath. He's kind of like a William & has followed him into the family business, essentially, and it's just, uh, he's a nightmare. I mean, um, check that out if you haven't. Cool. Um, there's a uh, actor, uh, Leandro Fermina, from a uh, film called City of God. It's a oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, uh, when I was, I didn't get the, there's a child actor who plays the same guy when he's a kid. You know kind of the film starts off when the two protagonists or the protagonist and the antagonist are both yeah, children okay, yeah. and there's a there's this really creepy little kid that and I didn't write down his name but check out City of God that is a brilliant film and really the favelas of uh, Rio de Janeiro are the villain in that film so mm-hmm. um, yeah we've got two from Sin City that's Elijah Wood and Powers Booth so oh yeah. Yeah, great.
2: yeah.
1: Uh, both amazing uh, Elijah Wood because he has no lines in the film and just stands and looks creepy and Powers Booth basically uh, doing what he did in Deadwood uh, mm. but uh, doing it in black and white so check that out if you have it. <laughs> and yeah that's pretty much all I got
0: I'll try to go through some of my picks here real quick. I'll mention uh, Don Lupe de Aguirre from uh, Aguirre the uh, Wrath of God played by Mm Klaus Kinski uh, the Werner Herzog film from 1972 uh, one of of Kinski's greatest performances. Uh, I was kind of Throwing back and forth, which Kinski, one I was going to pick, but I think I picked his one because he basically just takes over an expedition into the Amazon and dooms it uh, yep. because he's insane. And uh, It's a great ending scene with all the monkeys crawling over the raft, and basically he's <laughs> he's totally gone berserk by then. That
1: one was going to be on my list, and then I knew you were going to pick it, so I didn't
0: know. Yeah. I'll, I'll mention uh, Leatherface, played by Gunnar Hansen from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, I loved his performance just because he's playing a – Although his killer is you know his 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 character is this monstrous killer, he's also kind of sympathetic because <clears throat> he he was basically raised and abused by his family to being that way uh, treated as an outsider and most of the reason he kills people is because they uh, basically uh, intrude on his territory more than anything else basically intrude on his privacy. that's why he kills people. so he's at least a little bit sympathetic like he can understand why he does what he does even though he treats people like pieces of meat. Another one I'll mention, one of my favorites, Frank Booth, played by Dennis Hopper from Blue Velvet from 1986. The uh, amyl nitrite sucking fiend who is a crime boss, who is the sort of evil underbelly of this picturesque, perfect uh, suburban uh, paradise. Who is a psychopathic, uh, sexual deviant sort of character who abuses a woman for his own um, his own jollies? At the same time, he he although he is a monster, I think the best thing about his performance is that he is a monster who can actually feel love. He just does not know how to express it properly. He, exp- he expresses it in obscene rage and obscene expressions of emotion that are just not normal or natural. And I think its performance is fucking great. So one of my favorite villains, Hans Beckett played our Beckert played by Peter Lorre and *M* from 1931 as a child killer.
1: I just forgot to put that one on my list. Oh my God. What an amazing film. Uh, yeah, man. Fritz Lang.
0: Duh. Yeah. And uh, part, part of it is just how Peter Lorre looked um, uh-huh. sort of a bug eyed, small, weird looking guy. And there's definitely a lot more deeper issues in that film about how we treat criminals, how we treat the mentally sick and whether uh, sort of uh, criminal justice uh, or whether the, re- the real justice of society should be uh, trumpeted in, in that sort of situation. But just a very deplorable, despicable character, but at the same time, kind of sympathetic, because he can't help the way he is. I mean, you, you gotta have a little bit of sympathy for the character even though he's a piece of garbage. He is mentally wrong.
1: And one of those films that, uh, like, it's it's very rare for us here, you know, kind of to have modern available to us in handsomely packaged Criterion collections of yeah. films that were actually made in Germany in the run-up to the Nazi, to the Nazi party taking over. Mm-hmm. And I mean, certainly in retrospect. I mean, I think Fritz Lang is is kind of seeing the the writing on the wall. He knows what's going on. And um, read Roger Ebert's uh, great movie's discussion of that film. Uh, yeah, it is, it is phenomenal. He, uh, um, I'll just point you to that. Like, go check mm-hmm. that out. Um, But, yeah, no, that's a great performance and an amazing character and an amazing film.
0: I'll mention Alex DeLarge, played by Malcolm McDowell from A Mm Clockwork Orange in 1971. Just despicable, psychopathic character who constantly is getting drugged out on milk laced with drugs, going around raping people. Just a, a total product of the downfall of society at that point. And society tries to correct him and essentially pacifies him and makes him a helpless victim in the end, which is an interesting twist. And I won't get too much into the discussion of that either. I think that's more for an actual full review. But um, a very great sort of almost charming evil character. As much as he's a piece of garbage, he's also kind of charming at the same time. So um, it makes for an interesting watch. As, um, many,
1: as many psychopaths, sociopaths are.
0: You know, mm-hmm. Charming in that in that yeah. way and uh, people
1: pleasers to to the degree that it gets them along. So yeah, yeah, um, great film. Yeah. <laughs> two and, Kubricks uh, on your list. I didn't put a Kubrick on my list. I feel all yeah. right. Well, I put How 9000, but you got there first. So you had three Kubricks on your list.
0: Yeah, yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, and then also I had uh a, a Sergeant Hartman too. So fuck four Kubrick, oh, yeah, Kubricks. Four.
1: Well, you didn't include Jack Nicholson from The Shining, you know? Like uh, um,
0: That was an obvious one I wanted to steer away from. <laughs> sure,
1: fair enough, fair
0: enough.
1: Yeah. Tom Cruise, Eyes Wide Shut,
0: you know? Yeah, no. uh, shit, I don't even fucking want to talk about that movie. Um, Don Logan, and this is probably my favorite big screen psychopath, Don Logan, played by Ben Kingsley from Sexy Beast from 2000. Oh, yeah. The ultimate in the psychopath on the edge of exploding into rage, um... And I think the great thing about him is although his performance is so big and explosive, there is a subtlety in that character that you sort of pick up as you watch the movie where he is essentially a guy who rose up into a criminal underworld and never had a real family and he considers them his family and they just consider him as a piece of shit and they always abuse him and leave him off to the side and that sort of stuff has sort of boiled up into his brain to the point where he's just ready to explode. Uh, He doesn't care if he gets killed or not. Um, He's just ready to confront everybody and abuse everybody and force people into basically subjugating to his will. Fantastic fucking performance. And that's definitely a movie we're going to have to review at some point as well. Yeah, Uh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I'll go with Angel Eyes or The Bad, played by Lee Van Cleef, from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Sure. I don't think there's much to say about that. Just one of those quintessential uh, Western villains, manipulative, sly, got Lee Van Cleve's sort of rat-faced look. So it really helps a lot for the the villain's character, and uh, I, I do love that one. I will mention Michael Myers from the first Halloween. Uh, I think I think he's a great just just a great version of just evil incarnate like there's no backstory to the actual character you don't really know what the motivations are you just know that he's hollow and evil and sort of a force of nature as well very effective and very very scary I think absolutely. Yeah, and the I think,
1: Shatner mask makes it, you
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my my final one and I am going with Dr. Hannibal Lecter, but I'm going with the Brian Cox version from Manhunter in 1986. I'll just quickly read through my my write-up on this one. I'm sure the majority of top villain lists would include Anthony Hopkins' famous version of the character, probably as number one at that, or at the least the top five. Not me. I'll agree that his version is the more iconic. He is a pop culture boogeyman. In The Silence of the Lambs, he is effectively built up long before he appears on screen. He is a never-blinking calm master of mind games that can also spring into horrific fits of violence that seem so much more scary because they are so obviously calculated. He's the grandmaster chess player of serial killers who was sadly turned into a quip-spewing slasher in Hannibal from 2001 and Hannibal Rising in 2007. Out of the box, he's just not as scary. Brian Cox's version works for me so much better because he's not obviously a monster. The second you see Hawkins' version on screen, you know he's not right. Cox, as Lecter, is normal-looking. Uh, academic's starting to go to seed in a bit with middle age. He has the air of an arrogant history teacher. He can blink. He's not talking with uh, that far-too-calm-to-be-sane voice and reptilian smile Hopkins' version instantly brings to the table. Cox, as Lecter, is just as brilliant, brilliant and evil as Hopkins' Lecter, but he's more casual about it. He's like the real serial killer, the one guy you least expect. Watching Cox, you wonder how he could be the way he really is during his off-screen crimes and shudder a bit. With Hopkins, there's no doubt in your mind that he's really capable what he's really capable of. Cox, in his small white cell, looks pretty harmless, he yet proves to be the exact opposite. And the best part is that he's in the background of Manhunter. He's not taking over their film. Uh, still it's actually a shame that the film does not or the film does a bit of disservice to him. In the original novel Red Dragon and the later adaptation of said book. Uh, starring Hopkins, of course. Uh, Lecter's actions have much more serious impact on the hero, uh, FBI agent Will Graham, the man that first caught him and put him in the cage. Cox might be more well-regarded now if it hadn't been treated like an afterthought in Manhunter. And that's the final one on my list.
1: Awesome. I'll note, just as kind of closing thoughts on this, I was, um, you know, I kind of, again, I kind of racked my brain and didn't do a lot of the the research. And uh, one of the things I was thinking that I would end up with is... um, the uh, recent slate of uh, kind of superhero movies, I was like, oh, there's got to be some great villains in there,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: there's not. Uh, you know, no, I not really. if there's if there's a uh, you know you know the Avengers fight an army of kind of faceless aliens as opposed to having yeah, I mean, you could argue that Loki. I mean, Loki is the kind of titular villain. I mean, not the titular, not the literally titular villain, but he's certainly the the main antagonist.
2: Yeah,
1: um, but he's not very you know, I, I'm going to piss off a legion of fangirls here. He's not very memorable for me. He's not very, you know. He's kind uh, of pathetic, really. He's he's this pathetic figure, and he's interesting. I mean, I think Hiddleston gives him a great performance, but it's not, you know, you don't really get that sense of, like, wow, what a great villain. You just kind of mm-hmm. think, what a great performance. And I think that there's a difference there. And and you go through the list, you know, Hugo Weaving is the Red Skull and. Yeah, you know, the first yeah, just
0: totally yeah. forgettable.
1: Like you forget him. I mean, uh, Toby Whithouse is the uh, is the, the the kind of Nazi scientist is is better. But I think it's interesting that the uh, and this is kind of where I went when I was talking about the TV earlier. You know that our modern kind of big budget movies really don't give us big villains. They don't discuss villainy as much. The, be- the best. Mo- sorry, go ahead. I was, I was just
0: going to say. Uh, sorry. Uh, the best Marvel villain right now is the Kingpin, Vincent D'Onofrio from the Daredevil series. He's the most Which is TV
1: right there, you yeah. know. So, uh, no, I, I, I still need to check that out. It's been on my, like, oh, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to watch that one of these days. And um, I just keep having other things to do with my entertainment time. Um, yeah. Usually, because I have two podcasts, I've usually got something I have to watch. <laughs> um, as much he's, as he's, I enjoy. He's blaming me now. He's blaming uh, me. He oh, no, 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 no. I, I watch way more stuff from my other podcasts. So. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, you know, it is kind of one of those things of like, oh, I can watch something for fun. And then usually when I watch something for fun, it's a, uh, it's more of a comedy. It's the uh, like I watch a lot of the animated, you know, Bob's Burgers. And um, you know, anyway, there's some yeah. we're rambling now. But um, no, I thought it was interesting how few of the kind of more modern, uh, kind of big action films really have a big identifiable villain. Usually, it's not like an individual that you can point to. It's some you know well hermy, I I think you know, I think, sort
0: of I think part of it now is Hollywood's more afraid to paint any sort of like specific uh character or ethnic group as a villain at this point mm-hmm. like there there seems to be a reluctance to do that and and you're right the Marvel films like really the villains are very nondescript like even this build up to uh Thanos to be like the main villain and sort of the ultimate culmination of the Marvel universe is like I don't care. I don't really care to see it. I know, I'm kind of bored by it. You you can argue that in the Iron Man films and the Avengers films, really Tony Stark is the real villain because he is the guy who basically sets in motion all the problems for everybody. Yeah, you know, it's, it's all his inventions. Um, I mean, he's he's sort of a he's sort of a comment on the uh, industrial the the, the military industrial complex. Yep. Yeah. And he is basically all the sins of that coming back to bite him in the ass and bite everyone else in the ass. So
1: I think the Iron Man films, I I, I love uh, I love so much of particularly Iron Man three. I think is is a, a really interesting film, and I mm-hmm. would love to maybe we'll do that whole trilogy one day. I think
0: that yeah, that'd be, be good want to do.
1: Um, I think those films. I mean, Jeff Bridges is in the sorry spoiler. Alert, Jeff Bridges is the uh, the villain in the first film, and then in the second one, it's uh, I can't even remember who the, the, in the second.
0: Mickey, yeah, R- Rourke right. and, Mickey Rourke, Mickey
1: uh, Rourke, and uh, there's somebody else, right?
0: It's, yeah, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, it shows he, you just—it shows you just how bad. You can not re- re- He plays he's Justin just... Hammer, but he just—he's just kind of an afterthought.
1: Um, oh, oh, Sam Rockwell, Sam Rockwell, Sam
0: Rockwell, yes, yes, yep. and he's good in it. He's really good in it, but it's just like those villains are just uh, again—they're—they're they're not villains on their own. They're a product of. Tony Stark's world right. they're... Well,
1: well and they're, they're not like even if you I mean Mickey Rourke does a great performance I think and now that I remember it yes of course it's a, it's a great performance but you know we're not focused on there's not like a plan that this guy has that is you know his his big villain moment you don't get the the sense of like a justified evil or an unjustified evil you just kind of get oh this is the dude with the powers that our hero who we really are focusing on has to defeat yeah. Uh, and then the third one, um, Guy Pearce is I mean, the the magic uh,
0: uh, uh, that, that powers just... are
1: kind of, you know, have their own issues. I mean, ultimately, the I think that what I land on when I think about these films is that we focus so much on the heroes and on their journey, which I think is what I love about these films, is mm-hmm. kind of getting the interiority of these characters that we don't really have time for a really memorable villain. I think that if there's one Criticism of those films—it's probably that that we spend so much time with the heroes. Well, yeah, and don't get good villains
0: in the uh, in the uh, second Avengers film. The whole Hydra sort of uh, subplot just gets washed over in the first act of the film. Like, actually, the first uh, the opening of the film essentially Hydra is defeated and totally. They were the big villains throughout. Like the underpinning of the entire series is underneath, and they were also the big villains in that Shield uh, television show. And then in that movie, they're just like. Oh, we 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 fucked them over. They're gone.
1: <laughs> yeah, I still haven't seen the second Avengers film. I'll I'll see it eventually. Uh, yeah.
0: Good luck um, with that one. <laughs> yeah, you
1: know, no, I just wanted to throw that in there just because it, 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 I thought of it while I was uh, making the list and uh, prepping for this. I, I I had a lot of fun prepping for this and a lot of fun talking about it. But yeah. It was- it was sort of one of those, like when you start thinking, like what makes a good villain, and then I start like spitballing and brainstorming, and then you know, like kind of curating a list. It was, it was an interesting process. So yeah,
0: yeah, awesome. Um, uh, I hope the listeners don't mind uh, that we're at like two and a half hours. I'll probably, <laughs> I'll probably pare it down to two hours and fifteen minutes at the, <laughs> and depending on whether I can get Paul in here as well and, and tack his stuff on, uh, it, this might very well be our first three-hour podcast. But hey. I'm just going to leave it as it is. I don't give a fuck. I listen to three hour podcasts, so I can't complain too much about it, but um,
1: I listen to all our podcasts. I don't know that I'm going to re-listen to this one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't blame you. Yeah. So Daniel, tell everyone about your doctor who podcast.
1: Well, if you like uh, people talking ad nauseum about uh, all sorts of things and from obscure uh, media or not so obscure, but uh, check it out. My wife and I do a Doctor Who podcast. We talk about a uh, classic and new series. Uh, we are... Ramping up for the new series, which is coming out here in a couple of months. We got an air date, so I actually got to schedule the rest of the uh, the year's <laughs> podcast. So I know what we're discussing. Um, but we're uh, in the midst of Tom Baker right now. We're doing the um, actually the next episode that's going to come out will be a uh, Patrick Troughton, which we just to through in there. So if you want to see black and white, but then after that we're going to do the Key to Time season. We're doing all six uh, stories in that in a row. So look forward to that. And if you want, if you like Doctor Who, you, and you like listening to people talk about Racism and sexism and uh, bad special effects. Check it out.
0: Yeah, awesome. Lots of
1: great villains in Doctor Who as well. So yes, know, it's you true. Did, you know uh, uh, that that was kind of one of the things I kept coming back to. Man, Doctor Who's got a ton of great villains, but uh, not so much with uh, so many movies. So anyway,
0: yeah, fuck you, Avengers. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, we'll 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 have the trailer play in the back back after this. Uh, telling you where you can go and leave comments and questions and criticisms and all that good stuff tell us how long our podcasts are and how boring we are and all that shit uh, we welcome all that crap uh give us suggestions for movies to watch and uh we may very well take them up and uh, watch them um, And who are
1: your favorite villains we would like to uh, hear that
0: exactly um, yes give, give us the some whole list.
1: point of this is to give uh is to cultivate discussion so that's right yeah check it out
0: yeah and uh, fuck, I don't know where I'm gonna go with music uh, unless you have something in mind, Daniel. I'm probably just gonna. This is probably gonna be a mistake, but I'm probably gonna do the sort of same treatment I did with our Christopher Lee episode, where I start peppering things with songs. And <laughs>
1: this is gonna be a five hour podcast yeah. episode. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> oh. but if you if you can think of something right off your right off the head,
1: I, I can't. I can't. I mean, you know, uh, okay. oh, unless it's the theme from Halloween or something like that. But you
0: know. Yeah, well, well, we'll see what I what I throw in there. But uh, thanks very much for sticking with us, guys. We really appreciate it, and uh, thank you for joining me tonight, Daniel. I enjoy it always. All right, bye bye, guys.
2: If you ain't right, you're going down there. Yeah.
0: Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on site. For our other episodes, links to Daniel, Paul, and Lee's other stuff, and links to some great podcasts of similar interest, visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can leave us comments on the site or directly email us. We Listen and respond to everything. Thank you. Drive through.